And that's what I tell the independents over and over again is our best way to compete is through customer service and that experience, whatever it is. If you have an ordinary experience as an independent business in this day and age, um, I I don't see a rosy future for you. You're listening to the Barn Restaurant Podcast, where hospitality lovers come to listen and learn with expert David DiLorenzo. Now here's your host, the DiLo. Well, hello there. What's cooking, 480 fam? We are back with another episode of the Bar and Restaurant Podcast, brought to you by the local 480. And I am your host, the DLO. As usual, uh, we're coming at you today with another tasty episode featuring our guest for today's show, Kimber Lanning. And uh, Kimber is awesome. Uh, she's a close friend of mine, full disclosure. Known each other since I was 18. I'm now going on 45. And she's done so many amazing um, things out here in the Valley of the Sun in Arizona and, and all over, quite honestly. So we're going to dig into um, many of those things that she's done, um, the starting of uh, – you know, her record store, her humble beginnings, and getting into Local First and Devour and um, just all sorts of other great sustainability projects and small town love she gives. Um, so I'm excited for this one. You'll get to, to learn quite a bit about Kimber. So enough talking for now. Let's dig in. But first, I want to give you a real quick shout out to our show sponsors, Bar and Restaurant Insurance. Um, insurance is boring, but your bar or restaurant business shouldn't be. Get the best insurance protection from the insurance professionals that you uh, that know how to protect your business so you can keep the food and drinks flowing. So with that being said, now here we go. Kimber, it is so good to see you. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, we, we have been seeing each other. I tell this story all the time when I'm at local first functions, but... I believe I was 18, hanging up posters in your record store. Easy, yeah. Easy that would, that would have made you 15. Is that, <laughs> is that the math that we're You're going on? So good. You I are so good. <laughs> I'm in sales. What do you expect? <laughs> right. right. Yeah. No, I was 12. You dog. 12. <laughs> My bad. No, but um, yeah, that takes us way back. We both started in music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Both started in music. So we'll get into a little bit of that. Um, I know a lot of people that are listening, and and I know there's going to be some that are not. Um, have read or heard about your personal history and where you started and where you were born, but maybe just kind of start off this podcast with a little bit of that information. I know you were born in Japan, right? I was. I was born on Okinawa, so anybody out there in the military will recognize Okinawa as one of the biggest uh, Air Force, U.S. Air Force bases in that region, and um, so my father was stationed there during the Vietnam War. Wow. And uh, so born there, moved here as a, an infant, um, um, to Luke Air Force Base, where my father was stationed after that. Um, yeah. And so we got here in 1968, and I grew up at 59th Avenue in Northern, okay. which Northern was just kind of one way in each direction yeah. uh, back then. It was a very agricultural area. And uh, then my father got sent on a third tour of duty, and my mom decided to stay in the States. So she stayed here while he went on that third tour. Um and I, you know, I think I really, I credit my parents with connecting us to Arizona. They um, used to throw the kids in the van and drive us all around the state. So I think I'd visited 10 Arizona lakes by the time I was 10 years old. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, um, and we just grew to love the place. I mean, we, 
My mom, it's funny because you don't realize it when you're a kid, but my mom had built this network of independent business owners all around the state. <laughs> so we never stayed at like a typical hotel. We stayed at little inns and B&Bs where we knew the people. We knew, um, we had a network of entrepreneurs all yeah. around the state. And that's just how my mom lived her life. It's, and, it's um, in your blood. It is, yeah. So, and that really connects you to place. You know, I know right. these people who own these businesses and, and they've owned them for for generations now. Oh, absolutely. So. I mean, I, even attesting, I just got back from vacation with my wife and we went out to, we ended up going out to Santa Fe. We'd never been there. And we went to this bed and breakfast and, and just whatever state that you're in, yeah. just to follow the history of it and to be mm -hmm. a part of something where you're there with the owners and getting to meet them and, and be a part of it. It's the best way to go. It really it is, is. You know, it's just so much better than having sort of that stale experience that you could have anywhere. Those, yeah. those hotels look the same no matter where you are. No matter where you are yeah, yeah so. for sure so you went to Apollo High School went to Apollo High School at 47th Avenue in Northern um, crammed it all in uh, to in a <laughs> condensed period okay. uh, get out of school a little early and uh, went to ASU and studied architecture of all things yeah you married an um, architect too I did Interesting. Yeah, I did <laughs> and um, and then uh, left that to open stinkweeds when I was 19 19 so, years yeah, old and yeah. and what was that conversation like with your parents I hey I'm gonna go open up a record store <laughs> you know because because my father was a jazz musician, when he, he was really a musician more than he was a fighter pilot. Um, and my mother being a business owner in the arts business, I think it was it was a funny, in hindsight, it was a funny conversation. It was, it was like, you know, mom and dad, I've decided I really can't stand uh, Arizona State University. And <laughs> sorry, all you folks out there. Back then, it was not the school that it is today. Yeah. Um, and I'm gonna leave this and throw away my scholarship and I'm gonna open a record store called Stinkweeds. My parents both went, honey, that's a great idea. <laughs> they really did. Yeah. They were incredibly supportive. And my mother said, um, if you fail, it's because you're too nice. Interesting. Honest piece of advice there. So. Yeah, and where did stink? Where did the name stinkweeds come from? Um, hilarious story. I mean, uh, at that time, you know, I had moved out of my parents' house, and all I had was this little. Um, eight-inch black and white television. I don't know if you remember that. You know, you just kind of had to put the rabbit mm -hmm. ears in yep. the right way to make it work. And there was this movie reviewer on Channel 5. Anybody that's old-school Arizona will know. His name was Bill Rose. And Bill Rose, um, I just never agreed with him. He was He would come on in his brown polyester suit. <laughs> and any sort of... Um, I'll say traditional film he would love and he would give him one to four roses like his last name and these nice That's little right, roses yeah. and anything that was contemporary or anything related to foreign or art films which is what I was into yeah. he would give him these little stink weeds and these dumb little weeds would appear up no on the screen kidding. yeah and um, so I, sitting there watching my crappy little black and white, I was like, that's it. That's what I'm going to call it. And that's I thought it was hilarious. And then, you know, he, kind gentleman, passed away many, many years ago, and nobody gets the joke anymore. And, in fact, I went on to um, Pat McMahon's television show, and he asked me that question, but he didn't know the answer. Okay. Well, it turned out he was a lifelong friend of Bill Rose's. So we're sitting there on oh live goodness. television, wow. and he was doing that. And, he's just like, and, you know, three seconds of silence on live TV seems like an eternity. Right. He was like, 
And I was like, what do you do? (laughs) We're on live television right now. So I just said, do I win an award for rendering Pat McMahon speechless? (laughs) Because he was like, how did I never make that connection? You know, it's funny. Well, I've known you for, yeah, I mean, decades now. And it's like, I didn't even know that. Yeah. 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 That's a cool story. That's where it came from. Okay. I got sick of it a while ago, but then, you know, it, people love it, and it's yeah. certainly memorable. It was and, very iconic you know, in, the, yeah. in the state. It's been open how many years now? 32. You, we were, hit 32 just a month ago. Yeah, so. you had your anniversary, uh-huh. and, and you were in Tempe off of, was it a... Apache or rural? Well, I was there or, before yeah. we were here, but yeah. I started at Dobson and Guadalupe in okay. Mesa and then moved to Dobson and Baseline and then Apache and Dorsey. Okay. And now where we are at Central and Camelback. And so. and just like myself, you've seen probably more so the record industry just completely change. Uh, in many times. Yeah. I mean, I've been on a roller coaster with the record industry, right? I mean, um, there was the initial wave of we're not going to make vinyl anymore and right. the majors tried to control and they actually successfully controlled the media yeah. by the way because none of the independents in the US stopped making vinyl none of the european companies stopped making vinyl none of the japanese companies stopped making vinyl in fact it was five major labels here in the united states are so the only ones and they thought wow if we just stop making vinyl you mean and we convince everybody that this is dead everybody'll go buy the same widget uh, again gotcha right though go out and buy Fleetwood Mac rumors again, again for the <laughs> right? Time. Right? Yeah. and they, they were geniuses but they controlled the media and so people still can't believe that vinyl's still being made but it, it never stopped yeah so there was that that wave then there was the wave associated with Napster where the labels decided they're going to sue old ladies for you know right. downloading stuff which was the absolute worst thing they could have yeah. done yeah um, and then and then just a series of really bad decisions that alienated independent retailers. And we're the ones who, you know, we play a key role in what gets played, what gets heard, what gets sure. seen by music fans. But they just continue to ignore us. But anyway, and then vinyl had this huge resurgence, which just angered them to no end because they didn't want vinyl yeah. to come back. And now they're messing that up again by jacking up all those prices. So... It has been nothing less than a roller coaster, but I'm going to tie this into local first because all of that gave me a front row seat to the relationship between corporate dominant right. companies and the independence and the struggles that they face every day. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so that's really what had got you yeah. just kind of your, your mind spinning and going, how do I create something more for everybody else around that's struggling? And when you go into Stinkweeds or a local restaurant or whatever it is, you're going in for an experience as much as you are the product. Because mm-hmm. you can go online and order whatever and not even have that experience. Or that's that. it. And and that's why I tell the independents over and over again is our best way to compete is through customer service and that experience, yeah. whatever it is. If you have an ordinary experience as an independent business in this day and age, um, I don't I don't see a rosy future for you, honestly. Right. There's, right. People have too many choices. You have to be exceptional. Not just that. It's, it's also, I think you would agree, creating a relationship with those customers, oh, with yeah. those people that come in. I mean, you probably know, I know you work there on, on Sundays, right? you're sure. behind the counter, and you probably mm-hmm. know most of the people that come in, and you, you have you know, that rapport. I would like to, but only being in there four hours a week, it's hard to. Yeah. But all the old school customers, I'll remember you from 25 years ago yeah. still, and people are shocked. I'm like, what's up? I 
seen you in forever. How's your sister? They're like, no way. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. how do you remember that? That's that's what my calling is. I just remember people's stories. And that's awesome. Like that. Yeah. So getting into a little bit about Local First, you started that about how long ago? Local First started in 2003. Okay, mm-hmm. 2003. Yeah. Time yeah. is flying. Time is flying. That's right. So from 2003 to 2009, we were sort of cutting our teeth. We've actually formed the foundation in 2005. Okay. You know, my initial thought was let's just create a database so that people can find local businesses because mm-hmm. local businesses play a key role in the way people feel about their place. Yeah. Right? I, I wanted people to be proud of Arizona. And in order to be proud of it, you got to know it. And that a big part of that is how you conduct commerce. Mm-hmm. And so that's really where we were. And then I realized how much I wanted to do beyond that and started the paperwork for getting the nonprofit going. Right, right. So that took a little while. And then putting a board together, which... You know, small business entrepreneur. I didn't know a thing about running a board. Not nothing. You kind of learned as you went. Yeah, I kept. You know, I'd be like, "Oh, I'm so sorry, you guys. I forgot to ask you what you think." <laughs> you know, because I was just <laughs> so used to making decisions. And they would be like, "Oh, here we go again." Yeah. You know? um, yeah. It took me a while to figure that out. You know, it's it's crash course. How, how sure. many members? As of today, how many members would you assume? Uh, about three thousand six hundred okay. um, members in local First Arizona, and Thomas Barr is doing a fantastic job. Yeah, he uh, is. And he's definitely somebody that I will have on the podcast uh, coming up so we can learn a little bit more about Local First and and all that Great, and some people may be confused, but yes, last year he took over as executive director of Local First Arizona so that I could focus more on the foundation. On the foundation, which we'll get into. And and Thomas is an amazing gentleman. He's been with you how long at Local? Uh, Almost six years. Almost six years now. Yeah. Yeah. It has flown by. I know. Yeah, I remember when you had first, you know, had gotten in to it and then you had started the the devour aspect of you know local first and everything that went yeah, on yeah um i was just so enamored with it and i was just like this is really cool this is something i want to be a part of you yeah. know because i being a native of arizona and as i told my wife you can bury me in the backyard i'm, I'm not going anywhere <laughs> right. i mean we will go travel and when i come back here it's like whether you're getting off the plane or you're just driving in through the 10 you're just like this is my home. Yeah. You, know, you just feel it. There's something so majestic about it. I agree. I agree with you. I'm connected here. I can't explain it, but I'm connected yeah. here for sure. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. Um, when did Devour start and how did all that come around? So Devour, we just celebrated 10 years. And, um, you know, that started between me and Craig DeMarco, yeah. who owns Upward Projects, being frustrated that Phoenix was continually being overlooked. Um there was a, a, an article that came out in Thrillist mm-hmm. um, that had, it ranked all the states in terms of their culinary, you know, wowness. Right. And we were 48th. And Ugh. I was like, I'm not going to no. take that. I am not going to take that sitting down. And he came into my office. I had already seen it, and I was irritated. And he walked into my office and sort of chucked it onto my desk <laughs> and like said, Craig. what are we going to do about that? <laughs> And so we put together a steering committee and formed the Devour Restaurant Coalition specifically to draw attention to the talent that we have here in yeah. our restaurant community. Our chefs are world class. And For yet, sure. you know, uh, we, you know, Charlene Badman just won the first James Beard Award in 12 years. Amazing. There's, there's no excuse for how overlooked we have been. She deserves it and has deserved it for many years there are many other chefs here that have made it to finalists but have not uh, actually won the award 
and there are a lot of different reasons for that. You know, um, you know, one of the reasons is that the um, category of Southwest uh, went from not including Texas to including Texas, and that's a big deal. Texas is a strong contender. Right. But secondly. Our politics here, when we started creating hateful bills um, back when SB 1070 came out, um, a lot of the more creative, artistic, progressive people just wrote off Arizona. And that's just a fact. They didn't want to come here. And it took us, it set us back um, significantly in that space. And it played a a critical role. And people don't understand, hate is bad for business. And we need to focus on being as inclusive and welcoming as we possibly can. Be cool to each other. That's it. Support each other. That's you it. know, show some love. Mm-hmm. No, I, I completely agree with you. Well, the Bauer has been phenomenal for me. I've been blessed to be able to be a title sponsor in it and to watch it grow every year and see all the different local food. I want to, I'll call them artists because that's mm-hmm. what they are. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they're out there hustling like oh, yeah. all day. And I, I mean, I see it even on your face, just how long of a day that that thing can be. Cause you're, <laughs> you're going from booth to booth to booth, making sure everybody's okay. And I would, um, I mean, I'll make an assumption here, but I, I would probably clarify this as one of the top food festivals in the United States for, for what mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, the way... You know, I appreciate that. I um, We have been given a lot of accolades for being the best in Arizona. I would put our chefs up against any place else. Yeah. I really would. And it's a deep bench. You know, it's not like we have two or three rock stars. We have dozens of rock stars. Yeah. And they all come out at Devour. Um, what's unique about Devour is that it's focused on our local talent. It's not that we're trying to bring in an expert chef from outside to come in and show us how it's done. Right. Um, there are other festivals that do that very well. That's not what our goal is. No. Our goal is to shine a light on the talent we have here. The people we bring in from outside are food writers, critics, bloggers, influencers, because they need to see it firsthand. So our strategy has been the opposite. Yeah. I don't want to bring in the chefs from elsewhere. I want to elevate our chefs, and I'm going to bring in the judges from elsewhere, because they're the ones that need to see the the breadth of talent that we have here. And it's worked. We've done it for the last four or five years, and they're just blown away. That's I mean, great. now we're to the point where chefs are, I mean, I'm sorry, judges are saying um can i get on the list for next year yeah and that's yeah. where you want to be well when and, you're and talking restaurants about are too i mean yeah. you you almost wish you had more room right but you don't i know you know yeah. and so yeah. there's just that line of people that come yeah. so and it's a great mix of wine and coffee and food and and resort you know mm-hmm. establishments and just your local you know in the shopping center type of establishments right yeah it's, yeah it's really cool yeah good well i'm I, yeah. we have loved your partnership on that event i mean it's been great and you when i run into you out there at devour i'm usually chauffeuring a large group of judges and food writers around the event and you know you just want to make sure that they're having an exceptional time we back to that customer service right we want to make sure that they're just like blown away yeah take take care of the customer that's it is is really and and you're you're no different than me than anybody else that's out there to just service the client make sure that they're good and create those relationships so Mm -hmm. so we're sitting inside of modified arts Mm -hmm. and and when did you take this building over so I opened Modified Arts in 99. Okay. So Stinkweeds was 87, this was 99. And this was um, 
kind of grew out of stinkweeds as well. Yeah. We had a lot of um, artists that came into stinkweeds. And you remember back in the day, we used to have exhibitions on the walls at the record store. We never yeah. had posters of whatever Bands. the yeah. flavor of the week was. We we had local art on the walls. And it got to be where we were booked over a year in advance. Wow. So I was really started thinking to myself, wow, there's not enough spaces for you guys to show your art. And then I heard the same thing from um, film and theater and um, dancers, poets, musicians. And I got this idea to open up a space that would allow for a diverse array of artists to be able to share what they do. So um, opening up this space, this was a sort of blighted and forgotten stretch of downtown Phoenix. Right. And, um, you know, we were here for about a year and a half on our own. We did some amazing shows. I mean, it's hard to believe, but bands that played in here include Arcade Fire, (laughs) Jimmy Eat World. Um, I mean, the list goes just, on yeah. and on. Godspeed You Black Emperor, was this uh, kind Fleet of the, Foxes. Was this kind of the fire that had started, like, the Roosevelt Row scene of what's going on right now? Yeah, well, yes. So the second gallery to open came in about a year and a half later, and then it started like dominoes. You know, yeah. we used to be excited when 150 people would come to First Friday. It's an art walk on the first Friday of every month, and right. now it's 30,000 people. <laughs> so at its height, Roosevelt Row was one of the top 10 arts districts in the country um, in USA Today. Wow. Um, but, you know, it's it's worth commenting as well that, you know, the development community came in, and because they weren't very creative, they built four- and five-story, stick-frame, boring, suburban apartments onto this street because they wanted to be cool and hip and part of the arts district, but really they displaced the arts district. And so it's just kind of comical that they wanted to be a part of it. And by the way, they're charging to be a part of it, but they displaced it. So it's a real challenge. And and that's a whole other conversation about the battles around density and infill. And we do run a program at Local First Arizona that's dedicated to better design. Um, It's called Forum. And uh, anybody that's interested can find information out on the website. But we're bringing the development community together to try to have a better conversation around urban design. That includes walkability, affordability. You know, we have apartments in this area that you cannot exit the apartment onto the street. That doesn't you mean. have to exit into the parking garage. Oh. So that's that has nothing to do with urbanism. I don't care how tall it is. Right. That is not urban design, well, and we ha- need to do better. Gems on the that's right. Floor. Yeah, we're looking at a bunch of empty elliptical machines down yeah. here, and it's crim- criminal, really. Yeah. I mean, I. I um, had many, many discussions with some of the designers down here to try to get something better out of them, and it was a very frustrating process. Well, you did take on a hefty project that was across the street and is now the local first offices. Or That's right. Them, yeah, the across the street, we were going to have a, um, a little bungalow built in 1910, destroyed, yeah. uh, demolished to make way for those apartments. And um, yeah, I called the owner and said, what are you going to do with that house? And they were going to tear it down. And he said, what do you want with it? I said, I don't know yet. And he hung <laughs> up on me, and <laughs> we went back and forth. <laughs> and 
Um, we ended up being able to save the house and move it across the street. You know, people say, how long did it take? Well, the actual move took 45 minutes, but the prep work, the, the entire project was three years. Three years, yeah. yeah. Was, I remember going through that with you yeah, as well. It yeah. was really cool. And it turned out beautifully. I love it. Yeah. If, if you haven't been to Roosevelt Road lately, you have to just come check it out. And if you're from out of state, you have to, this is really becoming a focal point in Arizona with right. a lot of the growth and some of the other stuff that I know of that's going on around here as yeah, well. Yeah. So, well, let's get into the, get into the foundation a little bit. And, um, Let's talk about, uh, um, I, I can never pronounce things correctly. Fuerza. Fuerza. Yeah. yeah. Fuerza. How, how's that going? Just remember the word where Fuer- is wedged in Fuerza. there. Fuerza. Yes. Fuerza. So Fuerza Local is a business accelerator program that we run that's completely taught in Spanish. Um, it's for micro entrepreneurs. Um, and... At the same time, folks coming through the program can learn more about how to run a really solid business. They're also earning a credit score. So there's a financial literacy component that enables those business owners to um, build a credit score so they can access credit at fair market rates. Love it. Yeah, so a lot of folks don't realize that people that go to predatory and payday lenders, they're not necessarily there because they messed up or they have bad credit. Right. A lot of them have no credit yeah. and they simply don't know that there's a better way to go about it and they haven't been able to get into a, a community bank or a credit union. Right. So we actually make that happen and it's been a game changer. That's you know, great. we have over 400 graduates that have come through the program. Wow. We've gone, to, gone on to create almost 600 jobs. So um, it's a game changer and Arizona needs to be paying attention to that. You yeah. know, we we have a lot of folks that are being left behind in the systems right now and, and we need to make sure that they don't just get stuck in a bad debt situation um, at a predatory lender and they have an opportunity to build a, a business. And I, I just firmly believe that entrepreneurship is a pathway to prosperity and well, we should sure. encourage it at every turn. And and you you help with the tools. I mean, you have um, lenders that are local that you have relationships with that, you know, just take care of people that want to work and, oh, and want to be, you know, more of society. And yeah. Everything. We have um, two credit unions that will extend a line of credit to anybody that completed our program. As That's long great. as they have completed the financial literacy part, yeah. um, what's neat is they actually pay into a system. So their goal are entrepreneurs, they need to save $1,000 over six months. And we're recording their payments and reporting them to Experion. So as long as they complete that, um, they can get access to yeah. a line of credit. How beautiful yeah. is that? That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Um, so uh, Farmer Chef Connection was the old name for what is now good. Um, what is it called? The Arizona now? Good Food Expo. The Arizona Good Food Expo. Yes. I'm still trying to, to latch on that. So yeah. I've again had the pleasure to sponsor the the old name and now the new name. And so tell the the food audience or the audience in general just a little bit about that and some of the changes coming up this year. And sure. So it's the same concept, which is that we are this bridge. We have a lot of uh, small scale food producers, and they could be growers. Mm-hmm. Um, what you would typically think of as people who are producing fruits and vegetables, or they may be ranchers. Um, that are bringing food in. Yeah. In addition, we have what's called value-added products. So that's people who make salsas, jellies, jams, those types of products out of the locally produced food. And then we're that bridge that connects them 
to the grocers, the restaurant tours, and the everyday folks who just want to source more local food. So as people wake up to how important local food is, and um, really understanding the seasonality of it mm-hmm. and how it relates to our health, yep. the number of jobs it can create, um, our relationship to water here in Arizona. A lot of people don't realize, you know, if, if we're growing food or things like alfalfa or cotton that are being shipped out of Arizona, well, that's our water being exported as well. Wow. And so as people wake up to, um, you know, wanting to source more locally, we found that there was a real need to make those introductions. And so the Arizona Good Food Expo is a giant food expo where you can come and find everything from vegetarian patties made from all local local ingredients that you could, you know, cook on a stove or throw in a microwave to, I mean, we have uh, everything that you can possibly imagine, artisan breads you know, specialty crop foods, um, you name it, and wines. Yeah. So there's a real diverse array of products that are available there. And, and if you're a geek like me, that's just a, a dream it's come heaven. true. Yeah. yeah. And, mm-hmm. and is this year, correct me if I'm wrong, going to be the first year that a portion of it will be open to the public? And yeah, absolutely. Okay. So in the past, it was really industry specific. Yeah. And um, we never marketed it to the public. But this will be the first year that we're actually opening it up to the public. As yeah, well. I'm excited about that. I, I know I'm, I've shot a video and I've got a couple others coming to really help promote the event and and tie in the the, the local farmers and the chefs together to right. you know you you bring up health which I'm a huge health advocate and it's like if you can eat something that's closer to your you know to where your origins are it's just that much healthier oh yeah you know? absolutely I mean if it doesn't have to be sprayed to stay fresh yeah. as it's trucked across the country then yeah. all the better just pull it right off the vine and, and, and <laughs> go right. for it yeah that's that's, right. that's very cool um, yeah. how about um, the sustainability projects and, and how's all that going? Because I think that's really important and it's uh, very underlooked. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. So Helene Tack, who's been on yeah. the team since 2009, is spearheading all of our sustainability work. Um, and there's a few different projects that we have going on that I'm really excited about. One is that we have a three-year contract to develop a green business certification program. Yes. And we're doing that for the in partnership with the city of Tempe. Very cool. City of Phoenix is also coming on board. Um, but she's putting together the criteria to earn that status as, mm-hmm. a, as a green certified business. Um, and so I think um, the work that she's doing is multidimensional because in addition, she's taken all of our events and made them towards zero waste. Um, she has uh, just a team of two people and a, yeah. and a slew of volunteers. And like our fall festival, it, back in the day, it used to be three full dumpsters of trash. Right. Today, it's 30,000 people, and it's one-third of one dumpster That's amazing. Trash. And you will see her out there with the volunteers collecting trash, oh, yeah. you know, and putting them in the right receptacles. Oh, yeah. And she has this funny saying where, you know, people come in, and they want to talk about sustainability from an academic perspective. And she's like, I don't want to hear you until you're in the dumpster. You're in the dumpster. I'll listen to what you have to say. Yeah. So you get in the dumpster, you don't understand <laughs> what's going on. She's the best. Yeah, I know, yeah. I know. So she's been able to proactively talk to business business owners about the materials and supplies and she just hosted um, a sustainable packaging expo where we brought in a bunch of our restaurants to actually talk about to-go packages or culinary festival materials that are biodegradable. Yeah. Um, So she's doing some significant work in that space. She'll be another good guest for me to get on to talk about that as well as I Mm -hmm. share this with restaurateurs because Mm -hmm. there's a huge misconception that a lot of times it has to be expensive for you to 
right. go that way. Right. And it right. doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. And what we're trying to do is build up the capacity of the public yeah. that cares about it to choose those businesses. Right. So any additional expense they incur can be offset in those of us who care about the environment and flooding those businesses with Direct our dollars. people that way. That's yeah, right. Give them that certification That's that they're right. part of your program. Very right. cool. Yeah. Is there any other aspect of the, the foundation that you want to bring up or talk about? Yeah. So there's two other areas that I thought would be worth bringing up. Um, one of them is our uh, rural development council mm-hmm. work. So a lot of people don't realize that we do statewide work. And it's so important that we recognize yeah. rural Arizona. Arizona doesn't succeed without rural Arizona. Right. Our food comes from, there's so much connection between our rural and urban areas. And Phoenix gets the vast majority of our economic yeah. development dollars. So it's, um, the, the, I just, I love the work. So passionate about the work. And um, we have a team of three that's working around the state on activating our rural communities. And so we do that in a number of different ways. Mm-hmm. Again, um, ushering in key stakeholders to have um, great conversations around what does rural economic development look like. Yeah. And it's different everywhere. You know, we work in partnership with the Center for Sustainable Agriculture in Ajo. Um, and then in other areas of the state, we work with different partners and different teams. Yeah. You know, um, there's so many great things to love about the rural areas. Um, one of the programs we run is called Weekend Zona, and we've got to get you and Kim out on yes. one of these. But we take a group of people out um, and to explore a different part of the state. And it's sort of what we call semi-curated. So we kind of have a schedule. Right. But there's plenty of time for you to go do what you want. Yeah. But we're also going to make sure that you get to see the best of the best. And it's a blast, you know, to go out to Sonoida and sort of take over the Sonoida Inn and oh, yeah. have a group of 15 people around the fire, you know, in the wintertime. Make new friends, make hang new out, friends, do all hang that. Out. Yeah. You know, we stayed at a little inn in Ajo where the, you'll get a kick out of this. The owner goes, oh, I didn't tell you I play guitar. And I think, you know, I've got the crowd there and I'm thinking, oh, my first reaction was, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> because, you know, how bad it can go, like oh, in yeah, a hurry. I don't sure. know where this is going. So his wife follows him out with a cello and they can, they just proceeded to have beautiful vocal harmonies and all of these. I was like, you you forgot you to mention. Right yeah. yeah. So we're sitting around a campfire and they're playing, you know, acoustic guitar and cello and people are like, I love this place. And I'm, people I'm have an experience. Back. They have oh, it yeah. locally and they get to meet a bunch of new people. And, and you know, a lot of times when people think Arizona and traveling within and and all beautiful places that you know Kim and I still go to but they're like oh Flagstaff Sedona but there's so many other little jewels that are out there and you've been to all of them I mean I (laughs) see you on social media and we talk and I know you go out there and you advocate and you bring all these people together and you know so there's so much more to Arizona than just what you see you know with the the bigger dot on the map so if people go to localfirstazfoundation.org you'll be able to see on our small towns page um, there's what we call the rural community profiles. Okay. So there's about a dozen of them on there, and you can click on that and find out about our rural towns by looking through a lens of food and dining, outdoor sports and recreation, yep. history, heritage, and tradition, and arts and culture. So no matter what your interests are, you can check it out, and you'll learn things like who knew that Ajo had a skate park? Yeah. Who knew that like the BMX track that's up in Pine Top Sholo area is the, the best one in the Western United States? I mean, the list just goes on and yeah. on with all these great little things that are worth going out and exploring with the with the whole family. Right. And there's so many lakes and great boating and outdoor recreation opportunities. Um, so that's there. And then the final thing I wanted to mention is that we do the Rural Policy Forum every year. 
Okay. So that's going to be this year in Eager Springerville okay. in August. And it brings together about 300 thought leaders from around the area, um, around the state, really, right. focused on how we're going to build a better Arizona. Oh, that's terrific. You're doing so many, so many amazing things. <laughs> Um, well, I know that um, you are a busy lady. I, uh, I watch you crank away on the email before I got <laughs> in here, so time is of the essence. But I, I appreciate you sitting with me today. I got a couple of quick questions for you. Sure. Um, camping or hotels? For me, it's actually, I wouldn't say camping or hotels. I would say inns and B&Bs. Okay. Uh, it's right in between. Yeah. So I'm not much of a camper. Yeah, neither is my wife. So yeah, Airbnbs. Yeah, I would much rather stay. So, for example, if I go to, to Safford, there's a place that's called The Cottage. Okay. And it's one little house behind somebody else's house. Yeah. And I just email Ruth and I say, hey, is the room open? And she'll go, yeah. They'll leave the door open for me. I can show up whenever I want. Yeah. And she'll have breakfast for me uh. in the morning. And um, I would much rather do something like that. You those, know? Are, those are the best. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, okay. How about a movie or a book? Oh, tough call. Yeah. So I'm going to say movie. Um but it wasn't always that way in my life. I think it's because I have less time now. Right. So I have a stack of books that I mean to read, and I just haven't read them. But I can fit in a movie here or there. Yeah, so. and it's kind of you can yeah. kind of veg out and yeah. be like, put your brain to a rest. Sure. I mean, you're yeah. probably always. I love documentaries something. too. So yeah, documentaries are the best. So I knew I had gone over the deep end when my mom came to stay with me, and she was just looking for a book, like a story. Yeah. And all of my books are like the coming jobs war and like all of this stuff. And she's looking around like, can I just read a story? And I was like, I've gone over the deep end. Like I, right, I yeah. did not have a single story for yeah. her to read. It was all about history or economics or doom and gloom, the geography of nowhere. You know, I, I get it. Mine are either all about like, you know, food or health and wellness. Right? Right. And I always feel like I'm studying when I get done, you know, doing my work with yeah. studying and it all kind of interrelates. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, Oh, that's funny. Um, tacos or pizza? Ooh, that's a... I'm going to say tacos. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Although, yeah, they have to be a special kind of taco. Well, I, yeah, of course. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I know. I know that. Um, <laughs> running or yoga? Um, yoga. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like to run. Yeah. No, I know you love it. It's but not I don't for everybody. Like it. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, I don't like to, you know, it hurts me. I don't know what it is, but <laughs> I, I'm not digging it at all. All right. If, <laughs> if you and your husband had to pick, would you pick a tiny house or a 7,000 square foot house? Tiny house. Yeah. Most definitely. And both of us are on the same page That's for cool. that. Yeah. That's really no, cool. Definitely not into, um, more than we need. Very simple. Very Keep cool. it simple. As long as, you know, the design is what matters, not right. the size. I'd, I'd let you design it's it. It's the design. Yeah. yeah, tiny house for sure. And then last one, Van Halen or Frank Sinatra? You know, I, I need an other button, David. Uh, I need an other button. It, I'd take Van Halen. Okay. Um, but only the first two records. <laughs> <laughs> if I had to, I would have to take the first two records. But let it be known, um, those would not be my first choices. No, well, of course yeah. not. I... Yeah. So I've never been into the crooning no. thing. No, I know you haven't. So I grew up in the punk rock years. You were in a band. Yeah, for many years. A few Dr bands. Drums? Yeah, I play the drums. Yeah. But yeah, um, I, I definitely grew up on... Um, music that has something to say. Yeah, definitely. 
Well, you have something to say for sure, (laughs) which is awesome. And it's all really good stuff. So I know you you mentioned a lot of places where people can go. Um, Is there anything you want to share as far as where where else people can go to either find you or more about the foundation or association? Yeah, there's there's a few different websites I'd like to recommend. Um, The first one is uh, the foundation's website, which is localfirstazfoundation.org. And you're going to find out about all of our programs there. Um, The second one is Good Food Finder. So Mm -hmm. at Good Food Finder.com, it's the first Arizona statewide directory of local foods. And it's awesome. I use that. Yeah, thank you. It is a fabulous resource. So if you're traveling and you want to know, hey, do they have a farmer's market here? Or if you want to find something like you want to sign up for a CSA and have great groceries delivered to your door, um, there's a wide variety of resources on there. There's also information for folks to find out where they can use SNAP and WIC benefits um, if they need some subsidy. You know, it's it's not cheap to go out and buy a bunch of vegetables. So where do you find those where you can use your SNAP and WIC benefits. Those are all available on that website. And then the third website is localfirstaz.com. And that website is super important for our our directory. It gets searched about 67,000 times a month of people looking for local solutions. It's huge. Yeah, Yeah, I know I've gotten some really good connections through that website, which is instrumental. So Yeah, Yeah. I still remember the day you told me that this is my year. This is the year I'm going local. And it was many years ago. Yeah. 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 And And you made a commitment. You are a remarkable asset to this community. You're a connector. You're a supporter. And you give before you take, and it's it's oh. rarity. So thank you. I, I just am passionate about life, like you yeah. are, and I'm just really glad that we're we're good friends. So yeah. thank you again for taking the time with me, and uh, I hope everybody enjoyed the podcast. And and please subscribe and and give me a five star because I know you want to, <laughs> and follow me on Instagram, you know, Bar Restaurant Insurance, and on Facebook. And um, again, th- th- this was awesome to have Kimber here. So thank you, and peace out.